As we come to our time for our missionary moment this morning, I uh, just want to encourage you and direct you to the prayer guide uh, in, your, in your bulletin this morning for Kelvin uh, and Elizabeth Joseph who are serving in Europe. Uh, but as we said last week, we wanted to recognize the International Day of Prayer for the Persecuted Church. So I've asked Pastor Matt to come and to share a little bit about that and then to watch this video. And then you can lead us in prayer for that, Pat. And some numbers. Uh, Matthew 5, verse 10 said, Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. From uh, Open Doors USA, it says, Within just the last year, there have been over 360 million Christians living in places where they have experienced high levels of persecution and discrimination. 5,898 Christians killed for their faith. 5,110 churches and other Christian buildings attacked. 4,765 believers detained without trial, arrested, sentenced, or imprisoned. These numbers are heartbreaking, and yet they do not tell the whole story. James 1, 2, 3, 4 says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, when you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. That joy is what we see when we hear and work with Christians all over the world who suffer because they serve Jesus. God cares for his people, and he will never leave or forsake them. God never promised us a good life, but he promised us he would be faithful to us. Now, none of us in this room have ever been persecuted for our faith to the extreme of what we hear about in this article. But at the same time, we are called to pray for those brothers and sisters. We're called to uplift them, encourage, and help in whatever ways that we can. And so I want to encourage you, as you watch this video, would you begin to pray for those that you see in this video and for those brothers and sisters in Christ who have died for their Savior, Jesus Christ? Thank you. My name is Rebecca. I live in the north of Nigeria. One evening I was out with my daughter and on our way home we saw smoke rising above our village. We were under attack. There was nothing we could do to defend ourselves. My husband and I were married in that village. My wedding day, it was the happiest day of my life. Some members of our church gave us a wedding gift. It was a Bible. We read it together every day. children were old enough 
we're ready to them and their friends. Let the little children come to me. Let the little children come to me. And do not forbid them. And do not forbid them. For such is the kingdom of heaven. Such is the kingdom of heaven. Matthew chapter 19. Verse 14. Verse 14. On the day our village burnt to the ground, my husband and my son were killed in the attack. I was devastated. I mourned for many months. Some of us were able to return to our village to reclaim anything that was left. Parts of Genesis and Revelation were burnt, but the rest was mostly intact. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. All flesh is like grass, and all its glory like a wild flower. The grass withers, and the flower falls off. But the word of the Lord endures forever. this Bible, it reminds me of God's faithfulness. Naked I came from my mother's womb, but naked I shall return there. The Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. is a husband to all widows. Now I look to him for every need. This is what I am still holding on to. I would encourage you as you have seen this video from Voice of the Martyrs uh, to do some more looking research into uh, what Christians are going through overseas. And so Voice of the Martyrs, you can actually subscribe to a free subscription. They will send you a magazine once a month to give you stories of what's happening around to believers who have made the and professed Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. And all you have to do is sign up with your, your email address and it's that simple. And 
You know, with opendoorsusa.org, another great resource for you to use to find more information out on how you can be praying for, you know, uh, believers and brothers and sisters in Christ who are going through similar stories just like these that we have seen. But let's go to the Lord and let's pray. God, we come before you now. God, we just want to give you thanks, God, that you have saved us, that you have sent Jesus to die on the cross for our sins. And God, we praise you that he rose again. Father, we confess that, Lord, we have never been in such a situation as Rebecca or uh, those that we read about in, in, the, in the magazines, The Voice of the Martyrs. God, sometimes uh, we may even struggle with uh, even waking up the next day and coming to church because, well, maybe, uh, maybe our, our, our head hurts or our back hurts. But, Lord, we know that if they were in the situation we were, they would still go because, Lord, they love your word and they are willing to give their life for you. God, I pray we would be faithful to do the same if it ever came. God, I pray for the church. I pray for the brothers and sisters in Christ who are struggling. In this time, Father, who are being persecute, persecuted in this moment, God, we pray you would give them strength to overcome. God, we pray you would help them to stand strong. And God, we pray for the salvation of those who are doing the persecution, because God, we know that you care for them as well, just as we see with Paul in the, in the New Testament, who was persecuting the church. But God, you, you saved him. He became one of the greatest missionaries to ever live. Father, thank you for redeeming and for saving those who are lost. God, we pray that we would make it a commitment, help us to be committed to praying for those who are being persecuted daily. God, we pray for those who are uh, lost loved ones who are going through this holiday season. And Father, God, that you would just put your hand of grace and comfort them in this time. Lord, we thank you for uh, the good news of Jesus and, and also the hope that we have that your word is eternal, and Lord, one day we will be with you where there is no more pain, no more death, and no more sorrow. God, we look forward to that day. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you. Amen. And so I do want to just mention two quick things. One is our offerings. Uh, you can find those envelopes in your pew in front of you, so be sure to give this morning. You can also go online to our church website at highlandbaptistchurch.com. Go to the far right-hand side and click that Give Online tab. And then let me just mention also that tonight uh, I will not be here in person. I'm recording my video sermon this afternoon. If you want to come at 2 o'clock, you can hear it. <laughs> but uh, we'll be... Um, uh, we'll be showing that uh, by video, but there will be people who will be here live. The, uh, Brother Mike, Miss Pat, and several others will be here uh, as we worship in person, kind of like we've done uh, all this time through COVID. So just wanted to make you aware of that. And then this last Friday uh, was uh, a day that uh, it's kind of hard to say that we celebrate it, but we do. We honor those who have served uh, in our military uh, branches. Uh, and so we want to do just another quick video here to share with you this morning, and then we'll have something for our veterans. So if you would play our... A few moments ago, I placed a wreath at the tomb of the unknown soldier. And as I stepped back and stood during the moment of silence that followed... I said a small prayer, and it occurred to me that each of my predecessors has had a similar moment, and I wondered if our prayers weren't very much the same, if not identical. We celebrate Veterans Day on the anniversary of the armistice that ended World War I, the armistice that began on the 11th hour of the 11th day of the 11th month. And I wonder, in fact, if all Americans' prayers aren't the same as those I mentioned a moment ago. For all we can ever do for our heroes is remember them and remember what they did. And memories are transmitted through words. We see these soldiers in our mind as old and wise. We see them as something like the founding fathers, grave and gray-haired. But most of them were boys when they died and they gave up two lives, the one they were living and the one they would have lived. When they died, they gave up their chance to be husbands and fathers and grandfathers. They gave up their chance to be revered old men. They gave up everything 
for our country, for us. And all we can do is remember. There's always someone who is remembering for us. No matter what time of year it is or what time of day, there are always people who come to this cemetery, leave a flag or a flower or a little rock on a headstone. And they stop and bow their heads and communicate what they wished to communicate. I think sometimes of General Matthew Ridgway, who the night before D-Day, tossed sleepless on his cot and talked to the Lord and listened for the promise that God made to Joshua. I will not fail thee nor forsake thee. We are surrounded today by the dead of our wars. We owe them a debt we can never repay. All we can do is remember them and what they did and why they had to be brave for us. All we can do is try to see that other young men never have to join them. Today as never before, we must pledge to remember the things that will continue the peace. Today as never before, we must pray for God's help in broadening and deepening the peace we enjoy. Let us pray for freedom and justice and a more stable world. And let us make a compact today with the dead. A promise in the words for which General Ridgway listened, I will not fail thee nor forsake thee. If you're here this morning and you are a veteran, would you please stand? Let's give these gentlemen and women a hand. Thank you. Heavenly Father, thank you for these who have served Thank you, Lord, for those who have given their lives in sacrifice. Thank you for these and their service to our country. And Lord, may we never forget, may we always remember, and may we always honor those who are serving. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We sing 615 to the work. Servants of God, let us follow the path that our master has tried. With the balm of his counsel, our strength to renew. Let us do with our might what our hands find to do. Toiling on, toiling on, toiling on, toiling on.
our next song, uh, in preparation for our next song, the uh, Children's Church will meet over here on the piano side. The next song is, is uh, 516. Please stand with the choir as we sing When the Roll is Called Up Yonder. 516. <laughs> when the trumpet of the Lord shall sound, the time shall be no more. And the morning brings eternal bright and fair. When the saved on earth shall gather over on the other shore. And the roll is called up yonder. Amen. Take your Bibles this morning, if you will, and turn to the Gospel of Luke. We're continuing our walk through the life of Jesus, and the message this morning is be faithful. Uh, we've been going through the book of Revelation on Wednesday nights, and one of the things that you'll always find uh, from the study of the truth of, of the return of the Lord Jesus Christ is that it's a tremendous incentive to cause people to want to receive Jesus as their personal Lord and Savior, and we need to always be faithful by being ready for the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so that's what we're going to see in these passages this morning, is that we need to be faithful, ready for the return of Jesus Christ. So let's stand as we read God's Word in honor of His Word. Beginning with verse 35. Stay dressed for action, keep your lamps burning, and be like men who are waiting for their master to come home from the wedding feast, so that they may open the door to him at once when he comes and knocks. Blessed are those servants whom the master finds awake when he comes. Truly I say to you, he will dress himself for service and have them recline at table, and he will come and serve them. If he comes in the second watch or in the third and finds them awake, blessed are those servants. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we want to thank you for your word this morning. And I pray, God, that you will use it to touch our hearts, that if there are those who are lost, Lord, I pray the, the word that we're going to hear about the return of the Lord Jesus Christ uh, will, per, will burden uh, those individuals' hearts. May it press upon their hearts and help them, Lord, to come to faith in Christ. Others of us, Lord, who are faithful believers already, may we be even more faithful than ever, knowing that we don't know the day nor the hour when the Son of Man will come again, but we do know that he's coming. So help us, Lord, to be faithful uh, until the trumpet sounds or until we draw our last dying breath. So bless this word in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You can be seated. You know, all throughout the scripture, Jesus said, I shall 
return. And it reminds me of an illustration taken from American military history. You may remember General Doug MacArthur uh, when he went to the Philippines. And when he was leaving, he sent word back to them and said, I shall return. And two years later, after he made that promise, he waded into the water on the shores uh, of the Philippines and said, people of the Philippines, I have returned. MacArthur made a promise, and he kept that promise. Here's what I want you to understand this morning. When Jesus made that promise 2,000 years ago here in these verses, uh, he made promises that he was going to come again in other places even. Uh, chapter 14 of John's Gospel in verse 3, he says, And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, that where I am you may be also. So Jesus made a promise, and he always keeps his promises. In fact, we know he keeps his promises, and, and it has affected our lives so much. Uh, there was a gentleman by the name of Russell Kelso Carter who was born in 1849. I don't know if he is related to you, Miss Janet, or not. But this is Russell Kelso Carter. He was born in 1849. He was a star athlete of the military academy. He was an outstanding student academically as well. He was multi-talented. He was an ordained Methodist minister, a musician, and a songwriter. He also earned a medical degree and spent the last, last of his professional years as a practicing physician. At age 30, he became critically ill with a heart problem, and the doctors told him there was nothing that they could do. And he was already a Christian, but it was during that health crisis that he came to a new depth uh, of his faith. Uh, God's Word became more alive to him than ever before, and he began to study with a new zeal and a new intensity uh, the great promises of God that are set forth throughout the Scriptures. And he came to the point that he prayed, Lord, whether you see fit to heal me or not, from now on my life is full of yours, and I'm going to stand on your promises. And it was then that he wrote that great hymn that we sing, Standing on the Promises. It was several years later after that that his health began to improve and he lived a full productive life until he died at age 79. You know, God doesn't always see fit to heal our illnesses. Sometimes he takes his children home to heaven where they experience that perfect eternal uh, wellness. At other times he does heal us in this life. It all depends on his plan for us as individuals. But one thing is certain, if you will study God's promises and, and correctly understand them and rightly apply them, it will revolutionize your life. You can always stand on the promises of God. God's promises are 100% reliable. Now think about this. Sometimes people make promises that they have no intention of ever keeping, but not so with God. Because when God speaks at any time on any subject, you can write it down as the absolute truth. Uh, Well-meaning people sometimes make promises and then forget them. But that never happens with God. Uh, God uh, has never forgot any promise that he has ever made uh, and so to anyone. And he never will because uh, he is God and he cannot forget. There are times also when people make promises with good intentions only to find that for some reason they're unable to follow through. Uh, there was a little boy who was talking uh, to a shopping mall Santa Claus one time and the little boy asked him, he said, are you a politician? And the Santa Claus looked at him and said, why do you ask? And the little boy said, well, because you always promise more than you can deliver. <laughs> you know, politicians and, and advertisers and sometimes friends and co-workers and even family members sometimes make promises that they can't or don't keep. You know, we can honestly say that we, uh, we can't say that we've honestly kept every promise that we've ever made. But it's different with God's promises. God isn't limited to our weaknesses and, and our limitations. He is the all-powerful creator of this world. He is sovereign, the sovereign of this universe. And Jesus always keeps his promise. Jesus said that he would die on a cross, he would be buried, and that three days later uh, he would come back from the dead. And Jesus kept his promise, and our 
are, uh, and, and you serve a living Savior. So 2,000 years ago when Jesus said, I'm going to come again, he made this promise and he taught he was coming again uh, in many ways by parables even. Parables are just earthly stories with a heavenly meaning. And as you read through these verses that we're going to look at this morning, I want you to notice as we read through these verses how many references in these parables Jesus made to his return. If you look at several verses, you'll see this. Verse 36 says, when he comes or when he returns. Verse 37 says, uh, when he comes. Verse 38 says, when, not if, uh, like maybe he will or, or maybe he won't, but when he comes. Verse 40 says, the Son of Man is coming. Verse 43 says, when he comes. So over and over, in just the space of a few verses, he repeats to us that the Master is coming. And so by telling these parables, Jesus wanted to impress upon the hearts of his disciples, upon your hearts and upon my heart today, that Jesus Christ is going to return again. But what are we to do to remain faithful until he comes? If that's the promise he's made and we're resting on that promise, what do we need to do? Well, the first thing we need to do is to be waiting. Be waiting. Be waiting with a, an expectation in our hearts. That's what verse 35 through verse 38 uh, is talking about. So notice what he begins here in, in verse 35 and says, Stay dressed for action and keep your lamps burning. So Jesus is telling, as we're going to see here, a, a story about a very wealthy man, a man who owns a palace. He's been gone to attend his wedding feast, and he'll be returning very, very soon. And, and notice that his servants, as we read a while ago, are waiting for his return. The palace is empty, but they know definitely that their master is going to come. That's why in verse 35, Jesus says this, stay dressed for action. In other words, stay ready. Uh, and then uh, have that be dressed in readiness. And then he says, you keep your lamps burning. Uh, he says that, that, that the master is coming again. He says there's no question about it. Uh, he, in fact, is using this illustration as the master talking about himself. And so he's literally saying, I'm going, I'm definitely going to return again, so you need to be waiting for my return. You need to be sure that you have all your business taken care of, that there's no loose ends left untied, that there's no unfinished business in your life. And so let me ask you a question this morning. If you really knew positively that Jesus Christ was coming back this morning, is there anything in your life that's unfinished? Is there any loose ends that need tying up in your life? Is there someone maybe to whom you need to give an apology? Is there something in your life maybe that's not pleasing to God that you need to confess and to get rid of? We need to stay dressed for action. We need to have our garments ready. We need to be ready for the return of the Lord. Now, when he says that, let your lamps be burning, that's a call for us uh, to use uh, the opportunities that are ours to prepare people for the coming of the Lord by telling them about Jesus. We're to be letting our light shine before men that they may see our good works and glorify our Father which is in heaven. So we ought to make a commitment to try to say something to every day to somebody about Jesus. Every day, let your lamp be burning for the Lord. I mean, think about it. Think about how many places you go. For some of you in the morning, uh, you, you're going to be going to your jobs. Uh, for some of you, you're going to be going back to school. Uh, others, you'll be going into various areas and segments throughout this city and even beyond. Uh, you're going to come into contact with people who are in the darkness spiritually. They don't have a clue. They don't understand what life is all about. They don't even sometimes know why they're here. Uh, they don't know where they came from, and they don't know where they're going. We know the truth because we have the light of the written Word of God. We have the light of the living Word of God, Jesus Christ himself. Jesus said, I'm coming, so be ready, be waiting. We need to be witnessing and we need to be letting our light shine for Jesus. It's a call for us to be eagerly waiting for the coming of the Lord. Now then notice verse 36. In verse 36 he says again, And be like men who are waiting for their master to come home from the wedding feast, so that they may open the door to him at once when he comes 
and knock. So in verse 36 it says that when he returns, uh, he, he, he comes from the wedding there, he knocks and he says they will open to him immediately. So get the picture there of the eagerness. They are eagerly awaiting. They know he's coming. And when they hear that knock, it says there that they are ready to open the door to him at once when it comes. In other words, they're not off somewhere else and, oh, oh now we, he's coming, so now we've got to get prepared. Now we've got to get ready. You know, the, the picture here is of eagerness, and that's the picture of people who are expecting their Lord to come. Uh, they are right there at the door, and the moment he knocks on the door, they're ready to unlock it and open the door. Think about this. If Jesus were to split the skies open today and descend from heaven in a shout this very moment, would you be able to say, welcome, Jesus. I've been looking for you. I'm glad you've come. But notice that's not all. We're to be waiting for the Lord with a sense of blessedness. Look at verse 37 and verse 38 again. He says in verse 37, Blessed are those servants whom the master finds awake when he comes. Truly I say to you, he will dress himself for service and have them recline at table, and he will come and serve them. <coughs> if he comes in the second watch... Or in the third, and finds them awake, blessed are those servants. So what is Jesus talking about there? Jesus is talking about himself. And he's talking about what he's going to do when he returns. He says that he's going to have us sit down, those who are believers, those who have been waiting, he's going to have us sit down at the table to a meal that he's prepared himself. He's going to dress himself, and he's going to serve us. He says that one of these days when he returns, he's going to serve you. The same Jesus who meets our needs now is going to meet our needs eternally. I don't know what your needs are today. And I don't know what problems you might be dealing with today. I don't know what difficulties you're encountering today. But Jesus is a Savior who can personally and particularly meet every need in your heart and in your life. It won't stop here, praise God. It'll go on in heaven, and it'll go on forever and ever and ever. Jesus says, I am coming, so you be waiting. Then he tells a second story. In this story, he says, I am coming unexpectedly, so here's the second thing, be watching. Be watching. And we're going to see this in verse 39. The picture here is of a thief robbing your house. So notice verse 39. He says, But know this, that if the master of the house had known at what hour the thief was coming, he would not have left his house to be broken into. So think about that picture there. I mean, have you ever had your house broken into? Some of you may have. Uh, you feel violated when somebody comes in like that. The, the thing about a thief who breaks into your house is he doesn't dial you up on the phone and say, hey, I'm coming tomorrow night, so you be gone so I can steal your stuff. They don't call you, do they? Uh, the, he, he, when he breaks into your house, he doesn't call before you leave home and say, now I want you to know that on Tuesday night about 9.30 p.m., while you're gone, I'm going to break into your house. That's not the way that a thief operates. Thieves come unexpectedly. Thieves come when you least expect it. If you think uh, there's a thief who's going to break in, then what would you be doing? If you had any inkling that there was a thief that was going to be breaking in, what would you do? You'd be waiting. You'd be watching. You know, they come at any moment. They don't announce when they're coming. But think about that. What if you got a tip that the thief was going to come. You'd be watching for him to come. Understand this, Jesus gave us a tip. Here's the hotline. He says, I'm coming. He's not a thief, but he's trying to say that he's going to come at an unexpected time like a thief does. Notice verse 40. Verse 40 says, you also must be ready for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. Now, I think that statement might be more evidence that Jesus, he could come tomorrow. Because that's one of the least times we expect it to happen. He could come today. 
Uh, so many of us don't act as if we expect it to happen today. You know, some think, well, he, he'll come later. He'll come sometime later. Maybe he'll come at the end of the year. I hope he comes tomorrow. I hope he doesn't wait till the end of the year. You know, when people least expect it, the Bible tells us Jesus is going to come unexpectedly. It could be tomorrow. And so the question is, are you watching for it? Are you excited about the Lord's return? He says, be waiting, be watching. And then he says this, be working, be working. Notice verse 41 down through verse 48. We'll just begin with verse 41 to start with. But verse 41 says, Peter said, Lord, are you telling this parable for us or for all? Isn't that kind of like Peter? I mean, remember on the Mount of Transfiguration, it was Peter who interrupted all this glorious splendor that was going on of Jesus in all of his glory there on the Mount of Transfiguration. And Peter interrupts. Here's Peter. Jesus is talking <coughs> that he's coming back. And Peter asks him this question. Peter's question literally holds these two parables together. Peter wanted to know to what to the extent wanted to know the extent of the first parable's meaning. Is that addressed to only to the disciples or is it addressed to everyone? But notice Jesus doesn't answer Peter's question directly. So often Jesus doesn't because he has a lesson he wants to teach. And so instead these verses indicate he was talking primarily about Christians, about those who were religious leaders even uh, during that day. Uh, he, was, he was talking about those who were supposed to be setting the example by managing the nation for God <coughs> until he brought in the kingdom. But notice they failed in that task and they weren't expectantly looking towards the kingdom. So the third story begins here in verse 42. The Lord said... Who then is faithful and why, uh, who is the faithful and wise manager whom his master will set over his household to give them their portion of food at the proper time? So he tells a story here uh, about a faithful and wise house manager uh, whom his Lord makes ruler over all his household to give them their portion of food in due season. And then he says this in verse 43. Blessed is that servant whom his master will find so doing when he comes. And so he's saying, I'm coming, so be working, be faithful. Now, we might be in, in what we would call the days of delays, if you will. The return of the Lord is in the hands of the Heavenly Father. It's God who's the one who's going to determine when the Son will return again. There's not a single one of us here who can make the return of the Lord happen by anything that you do. Uh, nobody's going to make the coming of the Lord happen. He's going to come in His own time, in His own way. And the truth is, is that Jesus is coming and that we ought to be working. So let me ask you, are you working? Are you being faithful with what God has called us to do? So notice, who then is that faithful and wise house manager whom his Lord shall make ruler over his household? He's talking about uh, people who are believers who have places of responsibility and opportunity <coughs> for the Lord in being a blessing and ministering in the lives of people today. And then notice what he goes on to say. <coughs> Verse 44, he says, Truly I say to you, he will set him over all his possessions. Thank you. <laughs> if I get started on one of those, I don't know that I'll stop. <laughs> so in verse 44 there, he starts off as a servant. He says this person's a servant. And now he says he's going to make him a ruler. He's going to enlarge his responsibilities. Why? Because he's been faithful in the little things. The more faithful you are with what God gives you to do where you are, the more opportunities God will provide for you. I, I think back on my own testimony, I was called to, felt the Lord calling me to preach when I was a 13-year-old boy. 
the, the pastor that I had there at that time, uh, there were many times he would ask me to, to prepare a sermon, be ready to preach on a certain day, and I'd get an opportunity to preach a few times. But then later, about age 17, I started leading a group of RA boys. Most of the younger generation don't even know what RAs are anymore. Uh, but Royal Ambassadors, it was the missions program for, for boys. Uh, act teens, was, girls in action, were for the, the girls. But I started leading a group of RA boys and then teaching a Sunday school class for boys about 9 to 10 years old. And then I taught a discipleship training class. And then later I became the director of our discipleship training uh, program. Some of you don't even know what discipleship training is even. <laughs> remember when, some of the older generation, you might remember training union. <laughs> That's what it used to be called even before discipleship training. <clears throat> and, and I became a director over that. Then I became the director over Sunday school. Then I went off to Bible college, became a youth minister for four and a half years. We moved to Tennessee then, uh, where I started my master's degree through seminary. Uh, preached at the local church we attended there. Sometimes that was on TV. Became a house parent with my wife for unwed mothers and their babies. And then a pastor at my first church for 16 and a half years. And now six years here. Uh, that's pretty good boot training for a pastor before ever getting to the place of, of pastoring. So understand this, if you can teach Sunday school or, or Awana uh, to young boys or young girls, uh, if you can teach them to, to young boys and, and your man, you can be a pastor of a church someday. Uh, we, you can be a, a, a more in leadership uh, than what God has for you. We have to be faithful. Uh, because I was willing to do anything God wanted me to do. I believe God said I'm going to give him more to do. All through these years, it's just been an amazement to me uh, it, how if you'll be faithful and just work for the Lord and serve the Lord and take the opportunities that the Lord gives you, God will expand those opportunities. That has always been a heart uh, prayer of my own. And so he's saying in verse 44, I'm coming, so keep working. The more you work for me, the more I'll allow you to do for me. I'll make you ruler over all you have. And so in other words, that Christian who says, well, I don't know about all this. I mean, we've been hearing about the second coming uh, forever. I, I don't know whether the Lord is coming or not. He's delayed his coming. Well, notice what he goes on to say in verse 45 and verse, through verse 48. He says, but if that servant says to himself... My master is delayed in coming and begins to beat the male and female servants and to eat and drink and get drunk. The master of that servant will come on a day when he does not expect him and at an hour he does not know and will cut him in pieces and put him with the unfaithful. And that servant who knew his master's will but did not get ready. So this is, this is also talking about here. So he's talking about one here who's been abusive towards uh, others and other servants and those who he was in charge over. But then he says there in verse 47, and that servant who knew his master's will but did not get ready or act according to his will will receive a severe beating. But the one who did not know and did what deserved a beating will receive a light beating. Everyone to whom much was given, of him much will be required. And from him to whom they entrusted much, they will demand the more. The point of these verses is that it would be a tragedy for us as believers to know that Jesus is coming and for us to be negligent and unfaithful and not be prepared and not be working for the Lord Jesus when he comes again. If Jesus was to come today, would you honestly be ready to meet him? Would he find you faithful? Do you have that confidence and is your conscience clear that you've done everything you needed to do, said all you needed to say, given all you needed to give? Are you faithful? Because if you're, if you're not, then let me encourage you, you need to get ready now. You need to be serving him now. You need to be watching for him now. I can tell you that I, the Lord's coming, but I can't tell you he's coming tomorrow morning. 
I can't tell you that the Lord's coming in six months. I can't tell you that the Lord is going to come by the end of this year. No one knows that. But I can tell you this. Jesus is going to come, and when he comes, we better be found faithful working for him like we've never worked for him in all of our lives. I don't know how many more years God has given to any of us who are here this morning. Think back over the last six years of those who have passed on, those who have gone on to be with the Lord. None of them knew when their last day was going to be. There's not a single one of us here this morning who knows when your last day is going to be. But this is what I do know, is that until that day happens, I want to be working for the Lord Jesus Christ more intensely, with more fervor, with more zeal than I ever had in all of my life. God has put us right here where we are. Some of you have come to this place here in Tullahoma from other places around this nation, some maybe even from around the world. God has put us here and brought you here in the midst of Tullahoma, right here connected in this small little corner uh, of Coffee County, bumped up right against Franklin County, bumped up right against Moore County, bumped up right against Bedford County. you got four counties right here that Tullahoma basically borders or encompasses to some degree. God has put us in this place uh, of over 150,000 people, if you count the population of those four counties. There are people who are pouring into here from everywhere. Some don't even have a clue why they're here. They think they came here for a job promotion. Others think they came to take advantage of the booming economy until now it's not so booming. <clears throat> but I want you to know that God sent them here. God sent them here. That's the reason they're here. God sent them here to give you an opportunity to tell them about Jesus and to get them ready for the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. So the question comes then, why hasn't Jesus come already? Why hasn't he come back yet? Is he delayed? Well, he hasn't delayed his coming because of slowness. He has delayed his coming. Why has he delayed his coming? The Lord's not late. He's not somehow running behind. The Bible gives us the answer. If you look at 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9, here's what God's Word says. The Lord is not slow to fulfill His promise, as some count slowness, but is patient towards you, not wishing that any of us should perish, but that all should reach repentance. He has delayed his coming because of you. Because understand this, we've been going through this study in the book of Revelation. I'd encourage you to go back and look and listen to those messages. When Jesus comes again, judgment's coming. Judgment's coming. So you better be ready either way. And, and so he is staying his hand of judgment because he is not slow concerning keeping his promise. He is patient toward you. He wants you to come to the place of repentance. The reason why Jesus hasn't come yet, he hasn't come yet because he wants to give you the opportunity to receive Jesus as your Savior. If, if Jesus had come yesterday, would you have been ready to meet him? Would you have been saved? Would you have gone to meet him? Uh, gone up to meet him. The very fact that Jesus didn't come yesterday is an evidence of the goodness of the Lord. Because if he came yesterday, that's it, it. There's no more opportunity after that. God has given you one more opportunity to be saved. If you're not saved, understand this, it's not God's fault. If you haven't received Jesus as your Savior, it's not because God doesn't want you to be saved. God wants everybody to be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth. God's desire is for you to be saved. The problem isn't God's will. The problem is your will. So the question is, will you turn from your sin? Will you receive Jesus as your personal Savior? There's only one step you need to take. You need to say, Jesus, I give my life to you, and I invite you into my heart and my life. Come in and save me and help me to live for you all the days of my life. But here's the thing. A lot of these verses were talking to us 
as believers. So the question is, are you ready? You know, the Lord's impressed on your heart to share the gospel with somebody. He's not just impressed it, he's commanded it. He's told us to be faithful witnesses until he comes again. For one, your greatest ministry is your family. Your husband, your wife, your, your brothers, your sisters, your children are one of the greatest ministries that you'll ever have to share the gospel with them that they might come to faith in Christ. But there's a world around us who is living in darkness more and more and more. I want to encourage you, be sure that when Jesus comes, you're ready because you have been faithful. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your grace and your mercy. Thank you for your loving kindness and for your, you staying your hand of judgment upon us. Lord, thank you that you are long-suffering, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to faith in Christ. Lord, I don't know the heart of anybody who's here this morning. Only you do, and that person does. And so, Father, I pray that if there's anyone who's here this morning or anyone who is watching online who has never placed their faith and trust in Jesus, may they do that this morning by just simply calling out to you, acknowledging their sin. Dear God, I've been a sinner. And I believe Jesus died on that cross in my place for my sin. That he was buried in that tomb and arose on the third day. And I want you, Jesus, to come into my life and save me and help me to live for you all the days of my life. Father, I pray if someone's prayed something like that in their hearts this morning, may they come by faith to publicly profess that faith in Christ. But Lord, there are others of us here who we profess with our lips that we know Jesus. But Lord, we're no more ready than the man in the moon for the coming of Jesus. That if Jesus were to come right now, at this very moment, many of us who are here would be found lacking. That we didn't do the things we should have done. We didn't serve where we should have served. We didn't tell others where we should have told them. We didn't love others the way we should have loved them. So Lord, I pray that you will move in our hearts this morning as believers to also come to that place of repentance to say, God, forgive me. Help me to start afresh and anew that I make this commitment, Lord, that every day for the rest of my life, I want to be telling somebody in some way about Jesus. Use me, Lord. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Lord, I pray, I, if you've made some profession of faith this morning, if you're a believer and you need to come, maybe simply to join this fellowship, as we stand, as we sing, would you make your way and come this morning in our time of invitation? Brother Mike.
stay seated for just a moment. Uh, Ms. Stan, you can come and share announcements. We have an announcement of Ms. Terry Stowe. morning. I want to remind you that if you've packed a shoebox, uh, you'll need to bring it in by next Sunday because we will be officially loading the truck the Monday after that uh, and they'll be heading out. The other thing is we still need workers for collection week which starts tomorrow. Uh, all of our shifts except for the final Monday when we load the truck are two hours. Uh, if you have two hours to give, if you have one hour to give, consider signing up. Uh, the sheets are on the ministry board outside of Pastor Matt's office. Um, as of right now, we don't have any shift that is totally and completely full. Uh, so we need help, and we would appreciate it. Thank you. Steve Connor has an announcement. On November 27th, that's just two weeks from uh, today, Ms. Rosalie Moore will be celebrating her 100th birthday. And although she hasn't been able, because of health issues, been able to attend this past few years, but she came to Highland Baptist Church in 1953. I wasn't even born yet. And many of us as babies. I think she mentioned that Rima was a baby in, in the nursery. But uh, we would like to honor her. And uh, she was a very faithful member of this church. Many of you may have had her in our daycare. Uh, she served there for several years. But we would like to honor her. We have on both sides of the pews a little basket that has a birthday card. They're already addressed. All you have to do is one or two things. If you want to mail it yourself, put a st stamp on it and mail it. Or bring it back here in the next week. Next Sunday is fine. And the church will mail them out to her. But uh, we encourage you to use one of these, or if you'd like to provide your own more personal one, uh, send it to her. She'll really get a enjoyment out of it. Thank you. Brother Jim, do you have an additional announcement? Quickly. Um, some have asked and just want to explain again uh, the angel tree uh, is out in the foyer uh, out there uh, this is for the Tullahoma Head Start program there are 30 of these angels were 30 uh, not all of them have been picked up yet but want to encourage you to pick up one of these they can, they have on one side the child uh, the age of the child uh, shirt size pant size shoe size and then what their favorite color is and a favorite uh, special toy or something like that that they would like to have. Uh, so we would just ask you to take the angel. On the back of it is a little card uh, that has the number of this angel uh, and a place for you to put your name. Put your name on it, take that piece off, place it in the offering plate back there, pick up one of the bags and put your gifts in that. Don't wrap them, just put them in here. Uh, and then attach your angel to the bag and bring it back and put it underneath the angel tree uh, out there. But want to thank those who picked up those who have been picked up, but be sure to stop and get one uh, today. Good morning. Prayer request from Highland Baptist Church. Emma Jean Smith's daughter is having some health issues. Please keep her in your prayers. Martha and Jared Hood's daughter, Mary Alice, is still in ICU in Murfreesboro. Let's keep this precious one in our prayers. Rick German is going through knee rehab. That can't be fun. Let's keep him in our prayers. Today we have a deacons meeting at 4 o'clock. We also have some going to the Tennessee Baptist convention. Let's ask for traveling mercies for them. Please join me in a word of prayer. Our most gracious Lord, thank this nation that we live in, Almighty God. Be with our leaders in Washington. Help our church, dear Lord. Help us continue to be a light for you. Be with those that are served and are serving today. May your hand a blessing be upon them. Just thank you for all your love, your mercy, and your grace. Thank you for those that reach down and help those in need. I ask these things in your son's holy name. Amen.